Welcome back, everybody. Second hour of the program, Julian King of the Chair for Jimmy Smith on SEN Afternoons. And I say this now, once daylight saving kicked in post-NRL grand final, it is now officially afternoon throughout our listening area. So good afternoon to our friends north of the Tweed on SENQ693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast, and to our mates in Sydney via 1170am. The text line number 0457 736 736. It is blowing up at the moment, lighting up like a Christmas tree at the back of this question I'm tossing out to our listeners today. You can jump in the time machine, go back and see any event live. Could be a, a grand final, could be a box match, could be an innings cricket, whatever it may be, what would you see? What would you see? And the open line number, 1300-01-1170. Reptile will get to you shortly, but before that, we need to introduce our guest. I should have said my co-host for the next hour of the program, MC, sports announcer, amongst other things, Glenn Hawke. Hello, Hawkey. Jill's great to be here this afternoon. I've got to say, though, it's... um Magnificent day outside here at North Sydney Oval. Oh, North Sydney. I had a uh, wander around here. There's North... a slip now. Did you or did you not uh, recently do some ground announcing at North Sydney? I was oh, last yeah. uh, last Sunday. I was over there for the uh, the WBBL doubleheader. Yeah. Two outstanding games of cricket, and of course the, the season opener last Thursday. A Star Sixers game where Gardner sort of got the Sixers within a sniff at the end. That was the um, that was the season opener on the Thursday night. Yeah, oh, sorry, amazing that game that yeah, one yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, Meg Lanning. Back for the stars, she's shone. But pay uh, to watch a bet, Meg. She's amazing, unbelievable. Great to see her back too. Mm. Yeah. And okay, so North Sydney, you get around too, don't you, Glenn? You, I've, I've, look, are you, okay. Say, let me ask you off the bat: Are you a Newcastle man through and through? Look, I am a Newcastle man through and through, yeah. and that's uh, it's it's where my heart lies. Um, but yeah, really fortunate to have been around uh, a few different uh, codes and a few different sports and a few different teams over. Many years now, but um, yeah, the heart's in Newcastle. Tell me this, right? And we used to do this for for, you know, Watson Giggles. So you announce the, the players running out in the field. You call them by the day, at fullback, blah, 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 yeah, yeah. That, that sort of thing. And I always think about what it's like on a grand final day. And what's that theme? It might have, is it that, you know, the Olympic theme? Is it might have even been John Williams. Yeah, And so we used to do these recordings where you'd play that and do the ground announcing over the top. <laughs> so I can imagine this is what it's like. This is what it's like. So Newcastle, are you from the Newcastle region originally? Born yeah? and bred there, yeah. I spend, I tend to spend plenty of time in, uh, in Sydney these days and plenty of trips up and down the freeway but um but yeah newcastle boy and uh yeah said a few rugby league clubs that i've um i've been part of this year but it, geez it was good to see that that run by the knights at the the back end of it the was season. pretty impressive yeah. wasn't it and of course they won the nrlw so they could say you take the boy out of the hunter you can't take the hunter out of the boy bit like that yeah. okay oh four five seven seven three six seven three six the text line number we have been asking our lawyer listeners this afternoon glenn if you can go back and see any sporting event moment live what would it be? Well, I heard, I did listen to you uh, to this earlier on today. I think there's two things I'd, I'd love to do. The, the very first uh, test match I get I got to work at was the very last test match involving Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath, and Justin Langer at the SCG back in I was there January yeah. two, uh, 2007. And I think to go back and the, the whole four days of the test match was an absolute blur for me. So it'd be lovely to go back and. And, uh, and witness that and be part of it again. But I think going back even further, um, a bit of a cricket fan all my life as well and, and obviously been working in it for, for quite some time now. But to go back and watch Bradman bat, you know, there's, there's very little footage now and we don't get to see a lot. Yeah. We haven't seen a lot of, um, of the greatest of all time bat live. So just to go back at some point and, you know, see him put on 300 in a... In, a, in an innings there and flawless, you know, never hit a never hit a six in Test cricket. But so to go back and see DG Bradman, that would be I'm glad, something else. I'm glad you made mention of that. 
you know, when people think about this, they pick events that they were around for but didn't see live. See, I'd mm. go back further. Right. So, I mean, initially I said I'd love to have seen Cathy run live yep. just because of the sheer uh, enormity of that situation. Right. But I did get to watch it on television. So, you're right. Go back to see, like, say, for example, I could go back to 1930. So, Bradman hit 254 at Lords. He described it as his greatest ever innings. The mm. only bad shot, a false shot he played, was the one he got out on. Yeah. Right? But Bradman's theory was, well, you know, 48, where Neil Harvey was the 18 year old whippersnapper and he was too scared to approach Bradman. I think he went to Bill Brown and said, I want to, you know, can you get a message to Don? And he said, you know, any tips? And Don came back and he said, well, if you don't hit it in the air, you don't get out. Well, that's it. And yeah. that was it. That was he got Don 90 Bra- in his next innings, I think, uh, Neil Harvey. So, yeah. Don Bradman's theory, yeah, you, d- you don't hit it in the air, you don't get out. It worked pretty well for him with uh, his near 7,000 runs and a near 100 uh, test average. But uh, that to see that in action. And, of course, the game's evolved and changed so much um, since those times as well. You know, imagine, imagine Don Bradman batting with some of the some of the blades that they swing around today. You know, I, this is what blokes do. We can have conversations hours on end, you know, <laughs> over a pale ale about this. We go. So I remember, I've done it a few times, but certainly on this program, I picked my best ever T20 team from those that never played T20 cricket. Yeah. Right. And obviously, obviously Viv Richards makes it, but I had Bradman in there. And people are going, ah, Bradman, he, he wasn't really a six hitter. And I said, you don't reckon somebody of the calibre of Bradman given that he was statistically twice as good as anybody else in history, with the modern training, the modern bats, wouldn't have made a handy T20 player. He'd be the best T20 player in existence. I'm sure he would have been able to make an adjustment there at some point to uh, adopt to the or adapt to the the more traditional or the more uh, oh, newer yeah. formats of the game. And then some. Coffs, Raider, Reedy, no-brainer. 89 grand final. I was eight the start of my love for the mighty Raiders, only to be asked. Stevie Jackson, Benny hitting the crossbar. Uh, still, many people think the greatest grand final of all times, and even though this Broncos Panthers one this year has entered the conversation, the open line we go one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Get a reptile. Get a shaggers. How are you? I'm pretty good, mate. How are you travelling? Hey, not not too bad. Not too bad, mate. What do you got? I got two. If I could have two time machine moments for you, yeah, and two for separate reasons. First one, obviously, being the South Sydney man, the 1970 grand final, watch that John Sattler moment where he plays that tie game just to watch that live. Yeah, broken job. And my, and my second one's a little bit of a weird one. I would like to go back and watch live the final round of the US Masters 1996 where Greg Norman had his great collapse. Ah, so just he took to the six-shot lead into the final round, goes to water and the fowler gets in over the top of him. Yeah, that would have been really interesting um, to watch. Actually, that's a really good nomination, Reptile. Don't think about it. You sort of think about victories, don't you? But that was historic nonetheless. You know, Norman sort of carried the can for Australian golf for so long. And one of the all-time greats, whatever you think of Greg Norman, uh, he inspired a generation of golfers to come. But, you know, how he never won a Masters and, of course, 87 as well, Larry Myers chipping in. Sometimes you felt it was it was almost destined. You know, I, I ask myself the question often, Reptile, what did, what did the Shark do in a former life to be jilted in the manner in which he was? So that that's a great nom. Thank you, Reptile. Thank you. Go on, the bunnies. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I think it was the Netflix series, did the series, uh, was it last year or the year before? Oh, and, full swing. Yeah, with yeah. The, the Greg Norman talking and basically went blow by blow through that uh, that capitulation in the final round. It was intriguing stuff watching Greg Norman relive that, uh, what, 20-odd years um, post the incident happening. That uh, The emotion of that, uh, the emotion that even in today... Uh. 
for him to uh, to relive all that, but uh, incredible to watch. I still six shot lead, unbelievable. Wow, unbelievable. Speaking of golf, hello, number one golfer. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Good day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've got a, I've got a few for you. Yep. First of all, I'd love to be back in uh, July 1977 when Nicholas and Watson went hell for leather in the last round of the British Open. Mm. Shot 60, 65 and 66. Um, yeah, you compare the balls and the clubs these days. It's, it's what what they shot that day, day was amazing. Um, and and uh, I've got a couple others for that you. Was, um, sorry, that was sorry. Uh, that was just that was the jewel in the sun, wasn't it? Number one golfer. It was. Yeah, that's Very right. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember they were sort of yeah, making no, comparisons that... when when Stenson and Mickelson went toe to toe, almost like a match play a few years back. Well, yeah, it was pretty. It was very similar because um, Watson and Nicholas finished 10, 10 shots in front of everyone else, and Stenson and Mickelson were fifteen shots, as far as I from memory, mm. in front of everyone else. And I've got a couple of others for you: the nineteen ninety Ashes, um, Australia and England at Old Trafford, when uh, Mal Meninga scored in the in the. Oh, oh yes. yeah, series had two wonderful best, try, best team try. Was that the team try? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Because the other one was uh, a long know, range one, wasn't it? Where Ricky made the break and the kick through, and it was ET. I think that scored that one. But then, or am I getting them confused? Well, Cliffy Lyons had a, I think Cliffy Lyons had a hand in it, had a hand in that one as yeah, well. Thirsty called it. That was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah Cliffy, yeah. Lyons, Cliffy Lyons was was a was a long one, but um, the the sorry the yeah the team try, but the, the long one was when Ricky got through and um, passed the Meninga inside. Yeah, and they, they went the length of the field. After he threw an intercept pass, not only that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was magnificent. That's what people cared about kangaroo tours back then. I don't think there's the same attraction yeah. in this day and age. Number one golfer. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Um, um, two, two, two in cricket for you. Mm. I agree with uh, Bradman. I would have loved to have been there in 1930 or even in the body line time. But um, I love when Gilchrist. Gilchrist was batting and, and he scored the double hundred, the fastest double hundred ever at at, at, to, at the time in South Africa. Yeah. Not long after, yeah. he, he, they um, he had the uh, supposed incident with his wife and Slater. Yeah, those rumours going around it sort of brought him to tears. Yeah. I remember that knock, and he, you know he took that record mm. from memory number one golfer off both of them, he held it for years, and then it was not long after that taken off him by New Zealand's Nathan Astle, as far as I recall. Isn't it funny? Like records, yeah, that, you know, you hold them for years, they get broken, and then they start to tumble again. Mm-hmm. But uh, good ones, number one golfer. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, mate. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. G'day, Danny. How we going? Really well. Yeah, I just um, I was there when Steve Hall got that hundred on the last ball of the day. So was I. And um, I've never ever seen the roar of a crowd. The player was under pressure to hold his place, to be keep being captain, or just keep being in the team. And he had to get 100 in that innings, and he did it on the last ball of the day. And yeah. that, to me, was just an unbelievable experience. I'd love to see that again. 2003. So you were there, and you'd still go back to do it again. That's how much it bit yeah, to you, Danny. Yeah, I'd still go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the play. He was my idol, and, um, yeah, he was just um, he was my favourite. Yeah, I love watching him back. And um, one thing about him, you know, like, he wouldn't get many runs if all one for 300, but if it was three for 50, you know that bloke's going to come out and get 100. Yeah, you backed uh, him in. Yeah, it was a special day, Danny. You just backed him in, mate. 
Thank that you. was a very special day. Oh, I'd love to go back to that. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Good on you, Danny. Thanks, Cheers. one three hundred. I want eleven seventy. I was there that day. You know, pressure. He's right. Pressure on his spot. And I remember Trevor Hone sort of giving the clap and the camera pants. And Trevor, who was the chairman of selectors at the time, suggesting that maybe he was his spot was uh, was in danger. And the other story there too, uh, Glenn. He was at the house. Mark wore his, his brother. Uh, did you witness it? No, no, I left to go to the trots with Ronnie Arani. <laughs> so he missed it. Probably not the tightest uh, relationship no. between those two brothers, but um, you talk about the... We speak a lot about the theatre of sport, and if there was no greater theatre than the SCG on that day, you see the, the build-up around it, um, his spot was in danger comes down to the last ball and it was probably the longest over of the day as well to get uh, to get six deliveries out. It probably went for six or seven minutes and uh, there was not a person sitting down in their seat that whole time and as you say, that roar of the crowd as he's cracked that ball through uh, through the cover and it was... And simpler times as well. Steve Wall was never a, a player to show a lot of emotion. You know, you see Davey Warner score 100 these days and he's running down the witch with yeah, the old yeah. uh, oh, what a feeling leap. But uh, Steve Wall was always... a not even a, a hug guy as well. He was a handshake and a, and a slight raise of the bat, but he did show a little bit, bit of emotion uh, that day as well. And how could you not get swept up in it? What about Gilchrist just sort of chips that ball to mid-wicket to take the yeah. single? If I didn't take the one and get Stephen Roger on strike, <laughs> they would have lynched me. And there were boos every time he fought. Yeah. You know, get Stephen on strike. Yeah. And then, you know, that famous piece of commentary was um, at the ABC at the time, I think Jonathan Agnew and... And the skull carry mm. okay. What do you do? You know, just defend and come back tomorrow and go stuff it. We go for gold and and uh, poor Dawson was the spinner and Nass was the captain at the time. Drags him back and you know, just wanted to to let war sweat a bit. And we didn't really talk about much. We just tried to delay the game as yeah. best we could. And then I think he picked his spot and bang, yeah. The wicket. I was in the ladies' stand with my mum actually that day. Uh, so I'm glad I got to witness that with with mum. But. Yeah, astonishing. Incredible day. We've had we've had so many incredible uh, SCGs, test matches. It's, I've been uh, very fortunate to have a front row seat to a lot of them over the last 15-odd years, but uh, we've been, apart from a lot of rain at the SCG, oh, the last what 15 about, years oh, as well. Put up for auction, take away the news test from Sydney, get stuffed. It's all, all part right. of it. It's all part of the theatre. It is indeed. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. One more before the break. G'day, Dan. Hey, Jules. How you going, mate? Really well. Um, so I've got a few for you. Yeah. Um, boarding moments. Are, oh, if you had the DeLorean, where would I be? First one would probably be the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl, where Patriots come back from 28-3 down. Yeah, that was huge. And just, just to see Tom Brady at his best. Second would be Bradman versus England. Love to see that 300 in a day. But yeah. again, never seen him back. Just love to see it. Third, I've got the Diva within a third Melbourne Cup. Good. And tied for fourth and fifth, I've got Michael Jordan, two free feet with the Bulls. Oh, that'd yeah. be nice too. You know, it's a difficult conversation to have, Dan, because what do you leave out? I was at the Divas' first win, the Melbourne Cup. That was pretty special. But nobody, I think, quite knew at the time how good she was going to be. And I got her at about $8. How do you leave out the Dream Team, though? Yeah, yeah. I know. For me, so being a cricket man, I'd probably choose that. But I'd also, as a league man, Dan, go back to one of the grand finals of the Dragons, 11 straight, you know, just to see Gaznier and Langlands and Proven and Raper and, you know, four immortals. Would it be the West together. game? The Gladiator game? Oh, 63. One where they reckoned Darcy Lawler was on the take. Whinge, whinge, whinge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, happily, happily take that one, Dan. Any of them. 
Because let's be honest, Dragon's oh, success day, has been few and far between. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Good to hear from you. one 300 popular today. Julian King, Glenn Hawke in studio for the next hour of the program. Happy to take your calls. Happy to take your texts. You can only see one sporting event live. Only one. I love that. Choose one. They've given me five. Yeah. All right. Give us your five. We're breaking back with more SEN Afternoons. Afternoons on the SEN Network. Julian King and Virginia Smith. And I've got MC Sports announcer presenter Glenn Hawke in studio with me up until 2 o'clock Eastern Time, 1 o'clock in Queensland. Undies. Can we call you Reg? You see where I'm going there. Brandy and Zip Zip Man, 1985 after the prelim. Well, I've just had a look at this game, Hawkey. I pulled it up. Parramatta Eels, 38. Penrith Panthers, 6. This was in 1985. It's the minor prelim semi. 22-0 to Parramatta at half time. So one-way traffic. Brandy played seven that day. There's, of course, Zip Zip Man, Steve Ella, number four. You have to fill me in, Undy. What's, what happened? I could just text Brandy, of course. What happened after that prelim? Is there something I'm missing there? John Money, the coach of Parramatta. Tim Sheen's the coach of the Penrith Panthers. What about this for an Eels side, Dorky? Paul Taylor, fullback. Lydiard, Cronin, Ella Groth, Keddie Sterling. Price. You've got Laurie Sharp, Mosley, Jerd Lillis. Not bad. Were we talking about the uh, the current Penrith Panthers team at the moment? They've obviously matched the, the Parramatta three-peat of the 80 to 83, but, um, and we forget that, the, well, not forget, but, but of course, Parramatta went on to win that other next grand final in, uh, in 1986. So, yeah. So they were still at the top of the tree in that, uh, in that window of what, five or six years. Interesting it's to freakish. see how this Penrith Panthers side can, can keep progressing as well. And yeah, I mean, it's freakish. I mean, Matty John said they could win eight. I mean, I'm not sure they're going to win eight. Mm. That's another five. Easier said than no. I didn't think they'd win three in a row, and they did. You know, and if anything, we're playing better, yeah. which is frightening considering their losses compared to the last couple of years. But uh, people forget how good this parasite was. Yeah. You know, for all the talk about about Nathan Cleary, future immortal. Well, hang on. There's a bloke called Sterling who won three in a row. Yeah. And then won again in '86. And a bloke called Kenny who played alongside him. He was pretty handy in the six as well. Uh, it's funny you mention that. You know, Wally Lewis always said, Queensland, New South Wales, we'd look at the New South Wales team list. Every time they picked Kenny in the centres instead of 5'8", we were laughing. Yeah. Because we hated when Kenny was 5'8". That was the respect they had for the man. Kenny, of course, kept Lewis out of the side in the 82 Invincibles Tour. And Wally was vice-captain. Yeah. Maxi Krilich was captain. Couldn't get a run because Brett Kenny had beaten him. The great Wally Lewis, immortal. Yeah. That's how good he was. Brett Kenny, 0457 736 736. Joel, go back to watch Warren Bowley unplay, but there's a few nominations for that too. Jules, Simon says, I'd love to have been at Old Trafford 1993, the famous ball of the century. Uh, SK Warren VM getting. It was the day after my 23rd birthday. How I'd love to be young again. You know what? You're only as old as you feel, Simon. I would love to have been at the 81 grand final para. I was away shooting with my father down at Berrydale. I was about 70, 70 years old shooting, eh? <laughs> different times. Different times. Different yes. times. Just give a seven-year-old a gun. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Good on you, Gaz. Go the mighty Eels. Yeah, well, that's it. We've got a few in from the Eels supporters today talking about the, the halcyon days of the 80s, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Well, let's, well, fair to say the poor old Parra fans haven't had a lot to cheer about since, uh, since hey, 1986. So you got a grand final to, last year. You've got to hang on to the, uh, got to hang on to the glory days. Uh, Jules, the big hitting in the T20 and ODIs, the bats they use are like planks. There's no way years ago you could hit a six off the toe of the bat. It would put shock up your arms. The game's in favour of the batsman. Gary, agree. I don't don't like any game of cricket, Hawkey, where you can top edge a six. There and needs to be a reward for shots that find the middle. And if they don't find the middle, well, chances are you're going to be out. I think you're right. And it's 
the game and, and sports all about entertainment this uh, in this day and age. And I think a lot of it, we've seen the, the game going towards, um, I suppose, favouring the batsmen or batters a lot now. And as you say, we've seen plenty of top-edge sixes or, you know, see so some of the sixes that, that are hit now being pumped rows and rows yeah. back into the crowd. And that's exciting for fans. That's I think that's what well, the Well, it isn't, it isn't, though. Because if every shot's a six, then it becomes boring, mm. right? There's nothing. You still, at the end of the day, it's, you have to have a decent contest between bat and ball. Definitely. Right? It's pretty simple. And the thing is, if you play at a small ground like Chinnaswamy, right, or in Sharjah, if you're playing on a near-flat wicket where the ball's doing nothing from ball one, you can have somebody of our ability with those railway sleepers, light as mm. a feather, can just... Bang, plant your feet, right? Open up the stance and swing at everything. You just got to connect a bit. Chances are it's going to go for a four or a six. And the incredible thing about these bats now, not only are they so, there's so much timber in them, but they're so light as well. That's what we're seeing, you know, bats break and, and the like light. Like Grace Harris the other day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Because they're dried out a lot more, um, but they're big. There's a lot of timber in them. Yeah. And they're, they're incredibly light. So they, these players are swinging those bats incredibly hard as well. Have you used a modern bat? Have you picked one I've up? Gi- used... I've picked one up and, oh, yeah. yeah, shocked and stunned by uh, It's incredible. By how light they are. I've still got my 30-year-old Duncan Fernley, which was my blade of choice. Beautiful middle. And yeah. I had Slazner V12, had Simmons Tusker, all, some of the classic Grand Eagle scoop. Had them all. Would never get rid of them. But you pick them up and they're heavy. They're great in the middle, but anything outside the middle, you feel it. Like yeah. the texter said, the jolt now. My goodness. I remember a mate of mine had the, had the Duncan Fernley, and yes, the weight in that. Mm. Couldn't believe it how I couldn't, I couldn't swing it as a kid. What, what, was your first, uh, what was your first bat? My first bat was the one I used as a juice sort of through the 12s and 13s was a Slasinger V12 with yeah. a really skinny toe on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big meaty middle. And then I moved to the DF. I used the scoop a little bit, but moved to the, the Duncan Fernley Magnum. Yeah, either, either Simmons Tusker because uh, I think Mark, one of those two. Mark War had it. Yeah, the yeah, AB. AB used the Simmons Tusker, then a uh, SS Jumbo. Takes me back. Yeah, Tubby Taylor used an SS uh, for a number of years. I would love to have been at the SCG on the afternoon, the 24th of August, 1963, where Saints won the grand final in all three grades. First grade 8, 3 v Wests. Reserves 3, 2 v Souths. Third grade 12, 2 v Canterbury. Not what we'd call, Glenn, high-scoring affair, Stewie from Cronulla. Not quite. Yeah, remember 85, Stewie? when they lost 7-6 to Canterbury after winning President's Cup and Reserve. Chris Guider played all three games, all three grades that day, and joined the Church of Scientology. There's a fun <laughs> little story. I would also love to be sitting with my dad live watching the Eels 86 grand final, Matt from Norahead. Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, Stuart, Faber-Castell make the best texters. Boom, Tish. Thank you, Stuart. Greenkeeping Rooster. I think it's disrespectful to say Afghanistan's win at the World Cup is an upset, despite who is running the country now. I think they should be playing more test match cricket. They could play home tests in the UAE. Yeah, this is one of those political ones, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it's, um, you know, it's been long debated well before today what's happened in Afghanistan and the change of the country and and basically put an end to, to women's and girls' cricket, which is, which is a travesty for the sport, but... I think we have to sort of separate ourselves from that at the moment, particularly what the, what's happening in the World Cup. The performance last night against Pakistan was was outstanding. And as I heard you talking earlier, defeating England yeah. uh, first up as well, they're a real surprise pack. And, and I think what's been you know, we've, a lot of talk as well about Australia going in with only one really quality uh, or recognised spinner, a few part-timers in there as well. But, but last night, Afghanistan started with, with four spinners and four different types yeah. of spinners as well. So... Yeah, they're, they're a very good cricket team and they, they might give these last few games a shake. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Na- I mentioned at the top, Na- Nabi 
Majab, you know, Majib, sorry, Rashid Khan, a IPL class bowlers, world class mm. bowlers. To say that they're sort of some kind of, you know, third tier nation backwater is 10 years ago, yes. Now, no. Absolutely not. Uh, further to your point, though, to greenkeeping, Rooster, you're right. You know, it's, it's not enough to just say, OK, because the Taliban, we don't agree with what they're doing, let's ban them. You know, it punishes the players. I agree, take them out of there, play in the UAE, but allow them to, to, to have a conscience, to talk openly about what they think is happening and the rights of women in their country. I don't think you can just completely disengage because you don't advance the conversation that way. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The text line oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Julian King and Glenn Hawke in studio in the chair for Jimmy Smith this Tuesday afternoon. Spart, sit tight. We'll come to you after the news headlines. Jules in the chair for Jimmy Smith this Tuesday afternoon. We've got Glenn Hawke with us, who always has the best seat in the house at all. So, so run run us through, Glennie, the grounds that you've worked at regularly. Go. Rugby, well, rugby league-wise, obviously, obviously in Newcastle, but um, look, all the major ones in, in Sydney, Allianz yeah. Stadium, which is now, it is absolutely magnificent. Schmick. It is yeah. incredible that we only had one final season, final like, series yeah, game. Don't, you know, don't, that's don't start story. me on there. Let's play uh, it at Shark Park. <laughs> we dropped 800 million on a brand new stadium that will sit unused. Yeah. Purpose-built for rugby league. It's a farce. Anyhow, so I've had the chance to, um, obviously, all the rugby league grounds, but, all, but also as well, I've, I've been able to travel around Australia it's um, watching cricket, uh, front row seats for that, uh, MCG for the Boxing Day test, and the yes. Gabba Adelaide Oval. Adelaide Oval's nice as well. It's yes. beautiful. And Adelaide Oval's not just the ground. It's the, it's the walk from the city across the river. Um, we sort of head downstairs and you walk up the, the Greenkeeper's race, and there it is, the, the magnificent new part of the Adelaide Oval. We're still maintaining the, the old scoreboard and the, and the hill as well. So the... A bit of the older new with uh, Adelaide Oval, and of course, Optus Stadium in in Perth is now, you know, just outside of uh, Allianz Stadium. But the the biggest and, and yeah. probably best, most state of art um, circular stadium as well. But um, what did uh, what did Giddy Haig say? How did he? Just, he said it's it's got the atmosphere of an aircraft hangar. <laughs> I've never been. You know, it's it's on the bucket list. I've never been to Adelaide Adelaide Oval. I'm glad you said Adelaide Oval, not the Adelaide it's, Oval. It's a point of conjecture for a lot of people. Not the, it's not the Adelaide Oval. You know, people say, what about the Twitter handle? It, the Twitter handle is, to be fair, the Adelaide, Adelaide Oval because yeah. Adelaide Oval was taken by some nuffy. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It's Adelaide Oval. You you really need to get across there for it. it uh. It's um. Yeah, it's something very special, Adelaide Oval, and uh, yeah, love heading out. I'll be over there uh, for the Test Series in January, for the Test Match in January, so looking forward to that one. Yeah, we've got uh, what, Pakistan on the Windies, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, two, it, two against Pakistan, three against the West Indies, I believe. It's funny that, you know, you've got the chapel stand there. I remember Ian saying, well, I stuck around playing first-class cricket for South Australia because I love to hook and pull the ball, and you've got the short, yeah, square, square boundaries, whereas the long boundaries... You know, 100, he's called them the longest long boundaries in the world, where Gregory Stephen was so majestic down the ground. So, you mm. know, bugger it, I'm heading off to Queensland. <laughs> Little shorter, the straight boundaries there at the Gabba. one three hundred oh one, eleven seventy. 1170 Hello, Spart. Hello, um, Jules. How are you? Hello, Good. Glenn. G'day, Spart. How's, uh, how's the recovery after the bee sting? Yeah, I'm good. Good as gold. Excellent. Back solid, ready to go. Um... Jules, I've got to pull you up on your little hypothetical. <laughs> Which, yes. If you were batting in Sharjah. Yeah. If you were batting in Sharjah, no matter what the conditions, and not just you, this is the royal you for the average punter. Uh. Anything over above 140, 
you've got to see them to be able to hit them, and you wouldn't be seeing them. Please, please. <laughs> the, 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 the general pace of the bowlers wouldn't allow bat on ball. Yeah. I'm sorry, mate. I well, don't I'll... want to burst your bubble on you getting, you know... 50 on debut. Okay, a lot but, of presumptions here. Uh, firstly, Spart, presuming that they'll open with spin from one end, back myself in, shut your <laughs> eyes, full-blooded swing, you know. <laughs> head, I'll rush your blood in, goes back, takes yeah. it well said. Yeah, uh, 140, no, no chance. You know, did you ever have the, the ball machine in the nets no. at, at school? And it was honestly yeah, the greatest absolutely. toy for any teenage boy is having a ball machine. Because you get in there before the coach and you crank this thing up to about 160 clicks. And you got you know those little yellow dimpled balls and the two spinning oh, wheels? Yeah. And you put the arm up to sort of mimic the and boom, and they fire like a rocket. And you'd sort of dare anyone yeah. to get in there and try and face it. And so I'd do it, but as long as you're not aiming at the body, so put it outside off. You couldn't, you, you're right, but you couldn't see it, let alone touch the thing. You wouldn't be able to hit them. On the ball machine, Jules, yeah. I reckon it was about 1980, okay, 1986 or 7, I had the pleasure of feeding the ball machine to M War. Oh. The two settings you have, one's for, one's for speed and one's for movement through the air. And I reckon he, he was playing for New South Wales. I don't think he played for Australia. So whatever that time puts it at. So probably, and yeah, was on, yeah, late 80s. Yeah, 9 and 9. He was on the two settings with 10 being the max. And Far he right. did it easy. So yeah. where was this at, Spart? You know what about when you feed the ball in? Beg your pardon? Whereabouts was this at, Spart, where, where you did this with... That was the Campbelltown Cricket Indoor Centre yep. at the end of a end of a school holiday coaching clinic that he and my brother and a few others had put on. So they were just young punks making their way through, and that's where it was. Yep, Campbelltown Indoor Cricket Centre, and yep. sh- and showed plenty back then. Oh yeah, well he's already played for New South yeah. Wales, so you know he, he was established at that level. But for you and, to have a front row uh, seat of that one. Oh, man, I was scared loading the machine, <laughs> driving them back. You just, you know, I was a kid. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, what about how you had to do the fake, you do the fake arm to pretend you're actually bowling. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Ball in there. Well, that's right. That's yeah. right. You sort of yeah. secretly slipped in the yeah. Hector protector uh, at some point too, I bet, Spart. Yeah, there was a little net there, but I, I, I wasn't backing myself. It was coming back, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it's just frightening how good they are. Anyway. Jealousy. Good on you, mate. Good to hear from you. Right, boys. Cheers. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. You know, it's funny he tells that story and the time that they have because they pick it up. All the greats pick it up so early. Yeah. And uh, a mate of mine who, who was a pretty good cricketer played for Northern Districts, and he said Mark Taylor came down in the nets one day. He's playing for Australia at the time. So what happens? All the quicks line up because they want to let rip at the Australian captain. They're oh, I'm going to try and bowl as fast as I can. So they are bending over, falling over themselves to send these thunderbolts down. And Mark Taylor's just. Swatting them like flies. Effortless. Yeah. Is that the best you got, boys? Yeah. It's, and as you say, when you see it live as well, you, you, you watch it on television, you see how quick they're bowling, you don't get a real, a real perspective of it until you see it live, particularly you sit square of the wicket. Yes. And then you can see a Brett Lee or a okay. whoever. Okay. The first time you ever sat square of the wicket, saw a game of cricket live, tell me you didn't think far out the wicket keeper is so far back. On the on the thirty meter circle yeah. and taking it above his head, yeah. yeah. He's going, well, look how far back they are. Yeah. This thing comes thundering out of the gloves. Mm. That story about Tomo. I, look, it's a bit of urban legend. I don't know how much truth there is to it. I suspect there might be that he let rip and bowl the ball, hit a crack, and went for six buys. Yeah, six buys. Cleared the batter's head. Cleared the keeper's head. From all the uh, the legend of of the great uh, Tomo. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, Greg Chapel said because you know he, he did his he had an injury, Tomo. 
and he's sort of out of favour with the selectors, the New South Wales selectors. So Greg Chappell said, fine, come to Queensland. I don't want to face this bloke. <laughs> so I'd rather play with him than against him. Good move. Wise. Well, now he's, this is the thing. New South Welshmen leave, they go to Queensland, become Queenslanders. Tom O'Prime example. Alan Border's another one. Usman Khawaja Usman. in more recent times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fast him now. He's now a very proud Queenslander. I know, isn't it weird? Doesn't happen the other way. Queenslander, they're still proud Queenslanders. Yeah. They got away. The Sunshine State have a way of claiming them. I think it's the sun gets to them once they get over. Well, I got to live with that daylight saving. (laughs) You made your bed, you line it. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six two. Condescending as a Greek man going down an elevator. So we've got some funny ones in today. Surely Para will want to go to Fiji with Sivo Caesar Palms Red Man. Well, hang on. You've got Sunia Tarifa. What about my dragons? Michaela Revelau. Mm. Thank you very much. Breaking back with more afternoons. SEN Afternoons on 11.70am Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 16.20 on the Gold Coast and via the SEN app. Julian King and Glenn Hawke in studio. This hour has absolutely flown, Hawke. We'll get to one more before we let you go and have some lunch. Hello, Silvio. There you go, guys. How are you? Really well. We're going well. That's the way. Uh, mate, um, my one would be the... I'm a, look, I'm a Liverpool tragic, OK? And uh, it would have been the um, the Champions League final um, in 05 against uh, Liverpool and, um, and AC Milan. Yep. That was huge. What mate, a comeback. That was... Sorry? What a game. What a comeback. It, it was a comeback. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that would have been... Uh, that would have been absolutely a dream to be there. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't be, but I was at the last two Champions League finals that uh, Liverpool were in, uh, especially the one over at um, over Madrid against uh, Tottenham. Yeah, and that was a, that was an absolute screamer. Like, well, that was that was victory to the to the mighty Reds. So yeah, it was that was uh, an absolutely great day. It was pretty special. It was pretty special. Uh, you're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty well. Good on you, Sylvia. Thank you. All right, thank you, guys. Good on you. 1-300-01-1170. Yeah, look, just on Champions League, being a Man United tragic. There you go, Silvio. I didn't want to mention it. I wanted to let you have your say. Uh, 99, that Champions League final against Bayern Munich with the two death goals, Teddy Sheringman, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, that call by Martin Tyler just rings in my head. Mm. Oh, nothing like a comeback. You got a Premier League team? Oh, you know what? I grew up being a guy from Newcastle. Yeah. Craig Johnston was... He was probably Liverpool my first. Through and through. Yeah, he, he lives probably, there still, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was probably my first sporting hero growing yeah. up. So yeah. I still remember waking up and, and watching him play and scoring the goal in the FA Cup final in the was that 80, 86. Remember Craig Johnson once said, they asked him about playing for the Socceroos, and he said, oh, you know, playing football for Australia is like surfing for England. <laughs> and, and it wasn't, consi- you know, at the time it probably wasn't held as a role in the esteem that it is now. And he, to his credit, he regrets saying it. But Yeah. yeah. He, he it, was, was, it was a good line, though. He was a superstar. And, and an unbelievable story of resilience and determination. You know, he went in, he went across to England as a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. This is before the internet and social media and even, you know, mobile phones or anything. And I, and I still remember he was... He, he sort of went to his first training session. The coach said, "You will never be, you will never make it here." And his dad rang him and said, hey, "How's it all going?" And he said, oh, it's going really good. The coach loves me." Mm. And then just put his head down and and worked and worked and worked. Um, an amazing story. Matty Johns did a SEN's own Matty Johns did yes. a, an extended interview with him a couple of years ago. And if 
Go back and look at for him in his podcast. It's uh, it's well worth a listen. He was a superstar. And develop the the predator football yeah, boot. Yeah, predator yeah. football boot. What was the joke that Maddie told it on Morning Glory the other week? He said, "Oh, I think Paul Ince, the Man United player, he's going to wear them. He's going to wear them." I go, "Paul Ince has scored goods, but he scored off his head." Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, eight seven nine. Try indoor indoor cricket with a pace bowler. Is the wicket you can't move thirty meters back? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Anyone can be fast. It's when you when you go to the nets, right? Nobody actually bowls. On the crease in the nets, they bowl like ten, five foot nine oh, balls, yeah. don't they? Just steaming and and send them down. And uh, the sports event, I'd go back to the nineteen seventy two Super Bowl. See the Miami Dolphins complete the only unbeaten season in NFL history. Says Pete and Sale, Victoria. Well, they couldn't get the job done yesterday, could they? Against Philly, was, a bit, was that Dan Marino's time? A bit before Dan Marino's time, wasn't it? Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. Wrap things up.